Jesus, we honor and worship and glorify you. You are on your throne. You are at work, and we rest in that. Jesus, thank you for the men and women who, uh, who lead our adults and students and kids ministry small groups. Thank you for them. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you in the work in which you're doing in the lives of people. And thank you that, that one day we'll be in heaven greeting one another like we do on Sunday mornings because of, because of the way that you've chosen to work through people. Jesus, is, uh, as Smiley comes to speak, I pray that you would soften our hearts to be able to see people the way that you see them, made and created in your image, and yet scarred by sin and in need of a Savior. And I pray that as we look around the places that we work and the places that we go to school and the places that we live and in the activities in which we do throughout the week, that we would have your eyes and heart for people. So Holy Spirit, come, say what you need to to our hearts this morning, and I pray that you would increase in us a love and a compassion for those around us. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Strider. This week, Karen and I are headed down to Bartow to our oldest daughter, Lydia's house. And for the week, Lydia and I, or Karen and I are going to watch Lydia next three girls, so you can pray for us, okay? <laughs> but what struck me about heading down there is Lydia's our oldest, and she loved books. And uh, what Lydia would do is she would back into our lap. Whenever she opened a book, she would open it, and she would, she would smell her books. And... Um, and that's what we do at Good News. We believe the Bible smells like Jesus. And what we're going to do today is we're going to open up the Bible. And what I'm really praying is that it, you just smell Jesus through this time together because the Bible is God's Word and it smells like Jesus. We're in Colossians chapter 4. <clears throat> and we're going to read verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Uh, so here's the question. What do believers and unbelievers have in common? You know what they have in common? They're both uptight about evangelism. That's what they, they, they're, they're both uptight about evangelism. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today, your favorite subject, evangelism, okay? Because today's message is called a winning game plan. A winning game plan that Jesus has a winning game plan for our county, and he invites us to be a part of it. And that's what we're going to look about at today. Now, if you're new, we've been walking through the book of Colossians together, and it's been so good. If you'd like to know Jesus, come back next week, and we'll keep walking. And, and what we've learned is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We've learned that Jesus is our creator and our savior. We've learned that in Jesus <clears throat> are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we've learned that when Jesus moves into us, <laughs> his intention is to change everything in our lives, everything. Because a disciple is a follower of Jesus, and when he moves in, he says, follow me, and he wants to change everything. And we've learned. He's our model for life and ministry. So we've spent weeks looking at how Jesus is our model for life, 
how He wants to change our worship. He wants to change our marriage. He wants to change our family. He wants to change our workplace. He wants to change our prayer life. But today we're moving from, from Him being our model for life to our model for ministry. And Jesus says to me, follow me, follow me, and I'm going to share with you how you can help change the world. So the point of today's message, what we're going to look at today, is we're going to look at Ask Evangelism. Ask Evangelism, you say, what's that? Well, we're going to look at a verse in a little bit, and it has three words that I never put together in an acrostic, but they're all three there. So what is Ask Evangelism? It starts with ask. That if we're going to share our faith, it starts with prayer that we pray. That's God's part. And then the seek, that's our part. We do what we can do. And then the knock, we're going to learn is that uh, we persevere. We keep on asking and we keep on seeking. Um, Did you know there's over 260,000 people in our county? Did you know that? And that means there's more than 200,000 lost people in our county. Everywhere we look, there are people who don't yet know Jesus. And do you ever stop and think that if the people around us died without Jesus, they would spend eternity in hell? Does does that ever weigh on your heart like it weighs on mine? And, And what I want you to know is that Jesus has a winning game plan. He has a plan to win them to faith in Christ, and I want you to understand the plan. You know what the plan is? You're the plan. Did you know that? That you're the plan and I'm the plan. That his plan for reaching our county is people. It's people like you and me. His plan's very simple. It's to win lost people and then to build up believers, and then to equip workers, and then to multiply disciple makers so that every person in our county has the opportunity to hear the gospel from a friend. Listen, all of us start out as lost people. We all start out as lost people. And and I'm sure there's people in here uh, that are lost. Maybe you say, well, what do you mean by lost? Well, in Luke 19, Verse 10, we read, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin that we've pushed God away, and because we've pushed God away, we are lost. Lost today and eternally lost without Christ. How do we push God away? That's what sin is. It's pushing God away. God will do life our way. Sin is a crime against God, and we can commit crimes against God through what we say. That if we say something that's hurtful or unkind about someone, that's a crime against God. We can sin against God in our thoughts. If we're angry or jealous or lustful or proud, that's a crime against God. We can commit a crime against God through what we do. If we disobey our parents, if we steal, if we tell a lie, if we engage in sex outside of marriage, these are crimes against God. And I want you to know that God is just. And that means that God can't just wink at our sins, say it doesn't matter. God must punish sin. And what God says in his word, what we deserve for our sin against an infinite and just God is what we deserve is hell, which is separation from God and from all good things. So what do we do when we understand we've committed crimes against God, that we deserve hell? That's where we're headed. What can we do? What We can't do anything. But here's the good news. There's a Savior named Jesus. For the Son of Man, 
That's a messianic term. That, that, that's a big deal is that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the way, one that people were waiting for. That Jesus is fully God and fully man. So God put on flesh and came to earth to, to seek and save sinners. He, he lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross and, and he died for our sins. Maybe you're here checking out the Christian faith. If you want to know what the God of the Bible is like, look at the cross. The clearest expression of what God is like is the cross because the cross declares that God is just, that God must punish sin, and what Jesus experienced is what we deserve. And so we look at the cross and say, wow, our sin is way worse than we imagined, and it's true. But also when we look at the cross, we see that God is love, that Jesus was willing to take our place on the cross and die for us, that, listen, God's love is so much greater than we ever imagined. So on the cross, Jesus took our sins. He died in our place. He, he took the penalty for sin for us, and he paid it in full, crying out, it is finished. He died, but on the third day he rose. And you know what he offers us? Salvation. And we say salvation from what? From the guilt of our sin, from the penalty of sin. It's salvation from, from hell. It's salvation for so that we can go to bed at night knowing we're forgiven, knowing God's not mad at us. It's salvation for that we can do life in eternity with Jesus, life and eternity, it's so that our lives here on earth can matter and we can enjoy Him forever. And what does He require of us to be saved? Oh. In Romans 10, verse 9, we read that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The way we're saved is by putting our faith in Jesus, by believing in Jesus. And believing in Jesus really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. And listen, if, if you've never been saved one day, it's going to be too late. Don't wait until it's too late. Today's the day to admit and believe and commit. To be saved starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you in thought and word and deed. Won't you do that now? Or, or I'd be glad to assist you when we close in prayer. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. We receive him as Lord. We confess him as Lord. You're Lord, I'm not. Listen, you take over, and from this day forward, I'll follow you, won't you? Hmm. Won't you admit and believe and commit? And uh, if you have, do you hear what this verse says? It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means you've been forgiven of all your sins, past and present and future. Thank you, Lord. You know what that means? You get to do life with Jesus every day of your life. You get to do life with Jesus and spend eternity with him. So when Jesus moves in, <clears throat> he says, follow me, right? Follow me because I have a big, big purpose for your life. If you're a Christian and you have eternal life, we're left on earth for a purpose. And here's what it is. When Jesus called his first disciples, remember? In Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, follow me. So he invites us to follow him. He's our model for life and ministry. And I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says, do you see your county? 
Do you see how many people don't know me? I want you to follow me, and then I'm going to send you out to, to fish for men. Um, Jesus' method of, of changing the world is working through everyday people like you and me. So Jesus invites all of us, not some of us. He invites all of us and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says, I've got a purpose for your life big enough so that every day of your life you get up and you're excited about the purpose I have for you. And listen, he gives us the greatest equipment ever to carry out the mission. Did you know that? Listen to what he gives us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The first equipment he gives us is the gospel, the bad news and the good news and calling people to respond. And what he tells us, it's the power of God. And the word for power there is the Greek word dunamis. Guess what we get from that? What? Dynamite. It's the dynamite. Listen, Jesus says, listen, go and share. We're so worried. I don't know enough. Uh, I'm not wise enough. Listen, the power's not in us. The power's in the gospel. When we share the gospel, the bad news and good news, and invite people, it's the power of God to save. The best equipment ever. He gives us supernatural power, the gospel. Oh, and there's more. There's more. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, but you will receive power. Same word. It's dunamis. You'll receive dynamite. You'll receive supernatural power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Do you know the difference in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only given to a few the prophet and the priest and the king. But the promise in the New Testament was the Holy Spirit would fall on all of God's people so that all of us could be witnesses. If you're a Christian, Jesus has given you the best equipment. He's given you the gospel, the power of God for salvation. He's given you the Holy Spirit to give you supernatural power to share the gospel. And there's even more. In John 15, um, Verse 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that cool? Did you know Jesus chose you? I think some of you say, but Smiley, didn't I choose Jesus? Sure, you chose Jesus. <laughs> but you chose Jesus because he chose you long before you ever chose him. I mean, it, that's pretty exciting to me. Do you know the NFL doesn't call me? Do you know the NBA is not calling? You know, you're too old and too slow. But there is someone who wants me on his team. Do you know there is someone who wants you, who chose you, because he has a purpose for your life big enough to give your life to? Isn't that cool? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Do you know that Jesus has appointed you his ambassador and he sent you? He sent you on a mission that matters where you live and where you work and where you play. And he's given you, he's given you the gospel, the power of God. He's given you the Holy Spirit. Notice what else he says. He gives us prayer. He gives us prayer. 
so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. He gives us prayer. Listen, prayer's not a domestic intercom where we say, Lord, I'd like two eggs scrambled in some toast. He says, I'm parachuting you behind enemy lines. It's dangerous. It's dangerous there. Listen, whatever you need, if you need air support, if you need uh, artillery support, if one of your brothers is wounded and you want them to be healed, pray that they could rejoin you in the fight. He gives us prayer, whatever you need to carry out the mission I'm giving you, just ask and I'll give it to you. And that's what leads us to ask evangelism, to ask evangelism. Let me show you in Matthew chapter 7. Um, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, and, and um, knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, I never saw that till this week. Do you notice that ask, seek, and knock are all in ask? Do you see that? If you have an acrostic, all you have to remember is ask. So, so listen, how can we participate in what Jesus is doing in the world? It starts with we ask because we recognize that we cannot convert anyone, but Jesus can, and so we pray. That's where we start. We ask. That's, we ask Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. But the seek means we do what we can do, that Jesus' method of reaching people is through people. And so after we talk to Jesus about people, then we try and talk to people about Jesus we seek, right? And the knock... <laughs> The knock is that we persevere. We keep on asking. We keep on seeking. You see, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Okay. So now we're ready to walk through the passage we started today on uh, in Colossians 4. I want you to know that for us to join Jesus... In winning people to Christ, it starts with ask. It starts with praying. And that's why Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. As we're praying for open doors, we're, we're looking for them. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. So we learned last week we pray continually because we delight, we enjoy time with Jesus. But, but today we're learning we pray for dependence. We're operating behind enemy lines. And so we pray with our wartime walkie-talkie, Lord, Open doors. Open doors where I live and work and play. Open doors to share the gospel. Lord, give me boldness. May your Holy Spirit fall for us. Give me boldness. Lord, give me wisdom to know how to share Christ effectively. Did you know the church was birthed in a culture much like ours? That as the apostles began to share and all the believers began to share the gospel, you know what they encountered? Hunger. And there were many, many people coming to faith in Christ. And they also encountered hostility and they were experiencing persecution. I've never seen a time like our time where there's a greater hunger for the gospel in our culture. And at the same time, what there's a greater hostility. So what do you think the early church did? What do you think the early church did as they began to share the gospel and they encountered hostility and hunger? Let me show you what they did. In Acts 4, verse 
31, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Sometimes we think, well, they were just bold and we're not. No, no. When they encountered persecution, the first thing they did was they gathered together. Isn't that why we're here, isn't it? The next thing they did was what they, they prayed. They said, may your Holy Spirit fall fresh and, and open doors for us. May the Holy Spirit give us boldness. May the Holy Spirit give us wisdom to share the gospel. So when they asked, you know what happened? The Holy Spirit fell fresh and they were shaken. And then they went out to seek. They went out to begin to share the gospel, right? And so when we pray, Jesus, send your Holy Spirit uh, to, so that when we share the gospel, the Holy Spirit would open blind eyes and unstop deaf ears and soften hard hearts. And Lord, we pray as we share the bad news of the gospel that the Holy Spirit would convict men of their sin. Lord, we pray as we share the good news of the gospel, the Holy Spirit would help people see the beauty of Christ. Lord, we pray when we invite people to respond, the Holy Spirit would draw people to Jesus. Listen, winning people to Christ starts when we ask. Uh, remember, we've been walking through 1 Corinthians and Back when we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, remember this verse in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18? For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. <laughs> Do you know I grew up to church in church, but I never remember hearing the gospel. And then one day, one day the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. And for the first time in my life, I saw my sin. And for the first time in my life, I saw the beauty of Christ. And that moment, the gospel became not foolishness, but the power of God to save. And the gospel radically changed and is still changing my life. And that's what we pray for. We pray that when we share the gospel with people, it wouldn't be foolishness. It wouldn't be foolishness, but Jesus would open eyes and convict people and draw people to Jesus. So listen, a winning game plan starts when we ask because we recognize we can't convert anyone, but Jesus can, and so we pray. But then we seek. See, that's where verse 5 moves from asking to seeking. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Um, that after we pray, we live life on mission. That Jesus has us here for a purpose to, to win people to Christ, and we do what we can do. And you say, well, what can we do? Well, we can follow Jesus, can't we? You know, Jesus prepared. He prepared for his ministry, and we can too. I mean, have you ever thought that Jesus spent 30 years? He spent 30 years preparing for his ministry. How much time do we spend preparing? Isn't that why we gather together? Don't, hey, Smiley, could, could you teach me how to share my faith? Could you help equip me? Could you, could you? We can prepare you know what else we can do? We, we, we can learn from Jesus that to go where sinners are. Didn't Jesus do that? Didn't Jesus eat? Jesus went where sinners were. We can do that too. We can go where sinners are. You, you know what else Jesus did? He shared the gospel, and, and we can too. Uh, notice what he says. <clears throat> we ask, 
then we realize we're on a mission. So conduct yourselves with wisdom toward every day we leave the home. We realize we're on a mission that matters. And so he says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, toward those who don't, who don't know Christ. So this week I've had a good time. I've been asking people, what's wisdom? What's wisdom? It's been interesting that people have this kind of cloudy idea of what wisdom is. If someone asks you, what would you say? And here's the best that I came up with. What is wisdom? It's Jesus knows best. If you want to know what wisdom is, it's simply this. Jesus knows best. Every question we have, Jesus knows best. Every decision we're making about what to do, how different our lives would be if we said Jesus knows best and we sought to follow him, right? So if we want to, to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world and winning people to him, uh, it would be a good idea for us to follow him, wouldn't it? He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So, so let me show you a few things we can learn from Jesus. In John 17, Jesus is praying for us. Do you know that Jesus is praying for us now? He's in heaven praying for us. Did you know the Holy Spirit's praying for us too? Is that like the best prayer team ever so that we could bear fruit? But notice what Jesus said, as you sent me, as that you, Father, sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So if we want to know what Jesus wants us to do, it would be a good idea for us to study the, law, the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ to see how he carried out the purpose of winning lost people. And do you know what we see with Jesus? Listen, he was in the world. He was in the world, but not of the world, yet he was for the world. I mean, the two dangers for Christians, right? Is, is one, I mean, Jesus was in the world, and, and he has us here to reach lost people, but I know a lot of Christians who want to move out of the world. They say the world's too evil, I just want to get away from it. But, but listen, Jesus came into the world. We're in the world because Jesus has a purpose for us, right? So we follow Jesus into the world, we go where lost people are. But Jesus was not of the world. For Jesus to carry out his purpose, he couldn't sin. So the opposite danger of withdrawing from the world is many Christians conform to the world. If we're like the world, we can't carry out our mission. So we follow Jesus. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, yet for the world. Jesus enjoyed life, didn't he? He went to weddings. He went to parties. He was accused of being a wine-bibber and a glutton. It's, a, a glutton. it's important we enjoy life so that we can carry out our mission like Jesus. Some of us are a little too uptight. Maybe we should just eat some ice cream today, okay? <laughs> I mean, we're for the world, in the world, but not of the world, yet for the world. So we ask and then we seek. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And what will happen is if you start praying for open doors, you'll start looking for them. And when you start looking for them, you'll see them. Um, David was sharing with me this week that he woke up one day and, and, he, and he prayed for open doors. And then he looked out his window and they're doing road work at his, outside his house. So he went out there and as he began to talk to the road workers, one of them said, hey, could you fix me something to eat? He said, I'm a part of a labor pool and we started in Jacksonville and we left real early and I didn't get... I didn't get time to fix anything to eat. 
So David did what a good Christian witness husband would do. He comes inside and says, Debbie, would you make this guy lunch? <laughs> so David made the lunch, and I want you to know, if you've ever eaten what Debbie cooked, I'd become a Christian too if she fixed me lunch, okay? So, so d- d- would you fix him lunch, and, and would you get me a couple of do-you-know booklets? And so Debbie made the lunch, gave him the do-you-know no booklets, and then David went and talked to him. I mean, he prayed for open doors, and here's a workman, he's hungry. And you know what Jesus did, or what David did? He did just what Jesus did, because Jesus preached the gospel by word and by deed, right? Isn't that what David did? He, he preached the gospel in word, he fed him, I mean, indeed, he fed him, and then he shared with him the gospel. He just pulled out his do-you-know booklet, because we tried to make it so easy, and, and he said, do you have a church home? And he started talking about spiritual things, and he said, could I share with you what's most important to me? And you know what David did with the workman while he ate lunch? He just shared with him the bad news and good news and invited the man to respond, and the man said, yes. How did that happen? It happened because David got up and he asked, right? He said, Lord, open a door, and then he saw it, right? He looked for it, and when God opened the door, he said, Lord, help me to walk through it, and he did, right? Ah, Isn't that what it means to seek? Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity? Next, look at the next instruction. Let your speech always be with grace. Um, Is there a lot of gracious speech today, is there? What an opportunity. Uh, Some of you live online kind of toxic, right? What if there was a voice of grace? How about where we live, work, and place? What if there was gracious speech? What an opportunity, right? And you say, well, what would that look like? Oh, a verse that's had a huge impact on my life is Ephesians 4, verse 29. What does it mean to be gracious in speech? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Uh, uh, I, I've learned to, to do life with a 10-second uh, delay that just because it comes into my mind doesn't need it, mean it needs to come out of my mouth. And before I say it, I like to ask three questions. Will this edify? Is it necessary? Will it give grace? Because what I want to do with my speech is not to win arguments. I want to win people to faith in Christ. And if I want to be effective at that, it's very helpful to ask, will this edify? Is it necessary? And will it give grace? Imagine if each of us did that before we spoke, before we sent out a text. We first said, will this edify? Is is it necessary? Will it give grace? Uh, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt. Um, I mean, salt, I like salt. Uh, It gives flavor and preserves. You know what else it does? It it makes people thirsty, doesn't it? The late Dr. James Kennedy, a great evangelist, says we've often been taught you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And he said, but you can put salt tablets under its tongue, and that'll make the horse thirsty where it wants to drink. And that's how we're to talk. We're to talk in a way that makes people thirsty for Jesus. And you say, well, how do we do that? Oh, so many times I'm having conversations with someone and they'll say, well, you know, I know this person and they're such a narcissist. 
to which I always ask the question, what's a narcissist? Well, they're someone who's always thinking about themselves. Now, how would you respond to that? You know what I say? Glad I don't. Are you kidding me? I'm always thinking about myself. Anybody else in here like that? That enables me. I thought you were a Christian. I am. And if, if you think I'm this messed up with Jesus, can you imagine what I'd be like without him? Oh, when I'm with people, they share with me, man, listen, I'm really struggling in my marriage. When someone shares that with you, what do you do? Do you walk away from them? You know what I do? I step toward them and I say, me too. It's hard. But could I share with you? Could I share with you what's been most helpful in my marriage? It's been having Jesus. You see, he loves me so I can love my spouse. Uh, have you noticed that so many people are worried about our country? You ever have those conversations with people? Well, I'm with so many people, and they're so hopeless, and they're so worried. And they'll say, you know, I'm so worried. You know what I say? Me too. There's a lot of things that break my heart. But could I share with you what gives me hope? See, the problem in our country is we put way too much hope in the civil government. Everybody's expecting the civil government to save them. Listen, what I, I think we put too little hope in God and way too much in the civil government. If we just reverse that, if we just reserve, reverse that and put our hope in Jesus, Jesus can solve the problems that we have because there are heart problems. And Jesus changes hearts. And as he changes one heart, he changes families. And as he changes families, he changes churches. And as he changes churches, he changes communities. Wouldn't you like to be a part of the solution rather than complaining about the problem? Oh, so many opportunities, right? As those seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Listen, when we're with people, we're always praying, Lord, show me how to have a gospel conversations with this person. I mean, you have opportunities where you work, and as a pastor, one of the ones I get is people will call me up and say, Smiley, uh, I, would you officiate at our wedding? And I say, well, I'd love to get together with you and talk about it. And when a couple will come to me, I'll say, tell me a little bit about yourself. And they'll tell me a little bit. And why do you want to get married to each other? And, and they'll tell me. And, and then I'll say, do you have a church home? And they'll say no. And then I'll ask them the question, well, why do you want a pastor? Why do you want a pastor to do your wedding then? And here's what they'll say. Because we want God to be a part of our marriage. What did they just do? They did what? They just opened the door, didn't they? They just opened the door to me. And then I'm able to walk through the door and just say, you know what? That's right. My wife and I have been married for a long time. And the most helpful thing in our marriage has been having a common faith. Could I ask you a question about your own spiritual life? And uh, then I have a chance to share with them the bad news and the good news, invite them to respond and when they say yes, I say, here's how Jesus can help you as a married person. Jesus forgives you of all your sins. You know what it takes to have a good marriage? Two forgiven, forgiving people. And you know what else Jesus does for you in marriage? He loves you because he loves you. And you know what it takes to have a good marriage? Two well-loved people so they can love one another. And you know what else Jesus does for us? When he moves in, he says, I'm never leaving. 
And because he's never leaving, that's what enables you as a Christian to stay married because he's not leaving and he can help you stay too. Um, ask, right? First we pray. Jesus, open doors. And then we seek, we look for them. And when they're open, Lord, help us to walk through. Uh, and then we knock. And then we knock. And what is knock? Knock means that we persevere. We don't give up. We keep asking. We keep seeking. We don't grow discouraged. Uh, let me show you a verse that encourages us to keep asking and to keep seeking. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus wants all of us to bear much fruit. Isn't that encouraging? He wants all of us to bear much. He wants all of us to be dis difference makers. And, and what's the key? He says the key is to abide in him. And what does that mean? It means to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. That's our part. That we get to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. We keep asking. We keep seeking. And if we do, we will bear much fruit. So what have we learned about ask evangelism? We learned it starts with ask. Without Jesus, we can't do it, but with Jesus, we can. It means we seek. We do what we can do. We go. We prepare. We go. We share. It means we knock. We keep asking and seeking. And so our action step for this week, our action step for this week is very, very simple. It's just ask. Ask. Seek. Knock. Let me show you. Going back to Matthew 4, this is so good. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So if you're a Christian, first of all, Jesus says, let's be friends. Let's do life together. Let's do this together. Let's be friends, okay? So he, he calls us to friendship. And then he says, but listen, I'm leaving you on earth because I've got a purpose for your life. I, I'm going to equip you to be a fisher of men. So we get to be his friends. We get a friend, and we also get a purpose when we get Jesus. Remember last week when we read in Mark 3, verse 14, this is so good. Uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. Are you a Christian? <laughs> we get to be with Jesus. We get a friend, a friend who will never leave, to be with him and that he could send them out to preach. So we get to be with Jesus, and then we also get a purpose. He, he sends us out to preach. There's a wonderful rhythm to the Christian life. Sundays come and we gather together to be with Jesus, to be with him. Because what's a disciple? A follower of Jesus. And what do we say? A disciple loves Jesus and also loves one another. So Sundays we get to come because we love Jesus and love one another to worship the Lord, to encourage his people and be encouraged by them, to hear his word and be equipped. That's Sunday. And then Monday through Saturday, we scatter throughout the community to tell everyone about our best friend we learned about on Sunday. Uh, so we gather and we scatter, right? And don't we do that every day? I mean, don't we get up in the morning and have breakfast with our best friend? And man, as we see how amazing our best friend is, as we ask, you know, as we pray, don't we want to go and tell everyone how amazing our best friend is, don't we? So this week when you get up and have breakfast with Jesus, will you turn to Colossians 4 and 
Will you ask? Will you just pray this? Will you pray this for a week? Devote yourselves to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Lord, open doors. Lord, give me boldness. Lord, give me wisdom. And after we ask this week, let's sought. Let's, let's, let's seek. I guess I put seek and knock together and ended up with sock. <laughs> let's seek. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And then as you go through the day, you've asked, so be looking. Be looking for those open doors. And when you see one, pray again, Lord, give me boldness, give me wisdom, help me to speak up. And keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking. But I'm going to ask you to do something this week. What I'd really like for you to do is I'd like for everyone here to break the sound barrier this week. Will you? We've made it really, really easy for you to break the sound barrier. Everything you hear every single Sunday is in a little booklet. You could pick one up in the lobby or the pass-through room. It has the bad news and the good news, and it invites people to respond. Uh, <clears throat> will you talk to your best friend, Jesus, and then will you go and talk to your friends about your best friend? Uh, you say, well, how, how do you use it? And listen, if you'd like some training, because all I'm asking you to do is read it, but if you'd like some training, you can go on our website, goodnewsloves.com, and you can go all the way to the bottom, and there's a video there that will train you. There's two handsome young men. Well, actually, one guy's an old, ugly guy. The other guy is a handsome young guy. But it's a really good uh, to help train you, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to, to talk to Jesus and then go and talk to a friend. He, I have seen so many people this year just encouraging them, listen, just go and read it to someone. Just read it to someone. So, so here's what I want you to do. Go to a friend of yours, someone you've been wanting to share with, and just say, would you help me? Now, if you ask a friend to help you, what do you think they're going to say? Hmm? They're going to say, Sure. Listen, I'm supposed to read this to someone. Could, could, could I read it with you? And if they say yes, as you begin to read, pray. Just pray that as you read it to them, the Holy Spirit will take his word and convict them and show them the beauty of Christ. And when you invite them, don't be surprised when they say yes. Listen, just go and read it to someone this week, and you will be amazed at the power of the gospel to win people to Christ. And when you win someone to Christ, then I encourage you to begin to build them and to equip them, to disciple them so they can go and do the same. And as we begin to multiply reproducing disciple makers who make disciples who make disciples, that's how the 200,000 unreached people in this county are going to hear the gospel through the witness of a friend because you and I are his plan. So this week, our assignment's very, very simple. It's ask. It's ask, seek, knock. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for coming into the world to seek and save sinners like me and like all of us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and rising once and for all. Thank you, and thank you for offering us salvation. 
And listen, if you've never received the gift of salvation, don't wait until it's too late. Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who've received you that we would hear you say to us, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Thank you for giving us the gospel. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for prayer, that, that we have prayer, that we can call out to you for all that we need to carry out our mission. And Lord, I pray that we would ask this week. I pray that we would seek this week. I pray that we would knock this week. I pray that each of us would break the sound barrier and share the gospel with one person this week. For we pray in Jesus' name.